This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 144, and as the uh, intro aptly suggested, yes... I am back in sunny Southern California, coming to you from a undisclosed remote location here in Southern Southern California, where Ian and I will be uh, recording live our weekly show in the same place again this Thursday. But I am Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And welcome back to the Southland, sir. Welcome back. Good to have you. Good to have you back in town. Uh, Yeah, we are here to go over the WWE stomping grounds pay-per-view. No, it's not a, uh, a hipster coffee shop, <laughs> as you might expect by that that name, that questionable name. But uh, we we had it did come from Tacoma, Washington, so they weren't far off. But uh, yeah, so this was a show that coming into it, a lot of people were very very mm, underwhelmed by the card. I think would be an understatement. Uh, a lot of rematches, yeah. both from WrestleMania and from uh, uh, Super Shit Show in the country, the East, uh, the, the Middle East country that we shall not name. Uh, so lots of bad feelings coming into this, and very, very low, very low ticket sales. Their attendance numbers were decent. I think they uh, got about two thirds of the arena filled. Entire side was blocked off. Uh, actually, huge black curtains over it. But they did end up, through giving away about one-third of their tickets in two-for-ones or in comps, they got a good 6,000-person crowd in there, and that crowd was hype for this card. They were rowdy, and they were actually a lot of fun. But Nick, before we get into the show and really go over what all went down, let's do a little housekeeping. Yes, as always, guys, you want to be in the Facebook discussion group uh, or the Busted Wide Open discussion group, I should say, over on Facebook. So be sure and come over there. Send us a join request. We will get you right in. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. YouTube at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Be sure and subscribe there because we're back doing our weekly show live. And unless I'm traveling or Ian's traveling, we're doing live. So any of our Even sometimes when we're traveling. Even look, behold. You were traveling, and yet here we are. Yes, here we are. Uh, Short of a webcam, we could have done this, and and three of my 27 computer 
and monitors that I have over there at the command center. Uh, yeah, th- it's not far-fetched that in the future we could still be live, even though uh, one of us or both of us are remote. So keep that in mind. You definitely want to be subscribed to that YouTube channel. If you prefer Twitch, Mixer, or one of the other various platforms such as Facebook, uh, we are looking at expanding uh, and doing some testing for uh, multi-syncing there. So whichever platform of choice, wherever you like to watch, you can find the Busted Wide Open podcast. Be sure to subscribe there. And lastly, but certainly not least, uh, we have a big shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we had a few new ones come in this week. So thank you, guys. But patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. You can get more in-depth into the show, uh, get into uh, submitting listener questions every single week on our weekly show throughout the month for just $5 a month. Access to show notes, bonus episodes, sweet swag, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, I got to say, I was one of those that went into this going, I don't know. It's just... Ah, it yeah. just it felt a little in, and and I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I have a lot to say and not a lot to say in a weird <laughs> conundrum about oh, this pay per view. I'm so glad you have a microphone in front of you when you're yes. when you have little to say but lots to say. That sounds yes. that like this is going to be an excellent show. Speaking of which, if you guys have not seen Nick's home rig. The thing he uses to run this show, uh, it is there is a picture of it. I think in our busted wide open discussion group. I'm going to start calling you Captain Beardo of the Starship Carolina because that <laughs> thing is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Could you have any more monitors? You're not going to have any more room for Naya if you keep putting monitors in there. Uh, maybe I could rate, just put her on a display. <laughs> I hey, you know that's not a, a multimedia Naya shrine. Ooh, you do have that monitor. The gears back turning. There next to it. I'm yeah. just saying. Oh, the gears are turning. But you know what? We got to turn our gears over to stomping grounds because as you said there is a lot to say i think about this show i think that the show overperformed uh i think that we had a lot of low expectations for it and there was a lot of matches that really surprised people and we have to talk about whether that's because of the crowd or because of some good booking or whether it be the performers there's lots of stuff going on plus a little tidbit at the end about a little controversy going on on twitter right now related to all this stuff But let's go over and start talking about Stomping Grounds. We kick things off in the pre-show with, you know, what I would consider to be one of the contenders for match of the night. Uh, Akira Tozawa versus Drew Gulak versus uh, Tony Nese, your Cruiserweight champion, for the Cruiserweight championship in a triple threat match. I got to be real honest here. I was really really upset that this was on the pre-show based on especially hindsight after i saw some of the stuff that was on uh the the rest of the show this was uh, this even had a little bit left in the tank that they could have gone even further absolutely. but this was an absolutely fantastic match yeah and the crowd got into it i think i mean there was even two or five chants from the crowd this was a fantastic match it was what you'd expect from a cruiserweight match. They, they went stiff. They went high-flying. They did. They got technical. Uh, and the speed was there as well. Like, they were, they were moving a lot. Um, and very exciting. Lots of stuff that we were not expecting to see. Uh, Gulak has changed his uh, in-ring persona a little bit. Gone back to more of what he was in the cruiserweight classic. Just a vicious killer kind, kind of guy. Tony Nese, I think, looked good here as a babyface. Uh, and uh, Takira Tozawa was just there as captain interference or captain break up the pin. But he also did his part extremely well, including this insane top rope senton, which, of course, is his finishing move. But when you have the camera 
uh, down low and you have Gulak going for the pin on Nice, or excuse me, Nice going for the pin on Gulak, and Tozawa just comes into frame, annihilating them with his senton. It looks absolutely awesome. <laughs> uh, th- this crowd lit, got lit up by this match. And surprisingly, something I, you know, I've always said is a rare thing, but I may have to rethink this. I usually say, oh, titles don't often change hands on the pre-show. I guess that's not the rule when it's the Cruiserweight Championship because, by God, Drew Gulak, our boy, pulled it out. Finally, after how many times near the promised land, the Drew Gulak is your Cruiserweight Champion after pinning Akira Tozawa. Gulak. As mm. Nigel McGuinness would put it. The Gulak. Can I also give a, 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 a hat tip to Aiden English, by the way, as, as I would be prone to do? Um, yeah. What if he has absolutely found his calling? He's it's very good. Pun he's, intended. He's getting better. Calling getting matches better. Is, uh, is definitely in his wheelhouse. Um, I, I, he needs a little bit more oomph in his voice, but I mean, that's... That's just he's doing a fantastic job. That might be because his voice sounds a lot like mine today because I'm I'm in the middle of losing my voice after a very loud uh, karaoke night at the bar last night and (laughs) also being sick. So between the two of them, I have a I have a I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit of that today Mm -hmm. where I I, it's not quite all there. So he's having to force it out a little bit. So I do feel it. But uh, at the same time, yeah, he's he's gotten very good in a very short period of time, especially considering he's doing it on. It's not at NXT. Usually they let him develop an NXT. He's doing this on 205 Live. So good job for him. Absolutely. Well, we did both pick Drew Gulak there, so tied at one, I guess. Yes, the, uh, pick'em, the pick'ems begin tied. We both saw Drew Gulak finally picking up this win, and he did. But then the main show happened, and things kind of went nuts. So I was, I was a little surprised to see this one kick things off. And there's a lot of things looking back hindsight at this card that I went, I, I did a forehead slap and went, duh. Of course, yeah. You know, of course, uh, uh, course okay. they did that it, it all kind of makes sense now. But we kick things off with Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. And I've got to say that, you know, this match, it, it, it needed to happen one more time. But I'm, I'm really hoping that it's kind of the last time that we get to see this. Because at the end <laughs> of the day, I, I'm as, as high as I was on Lacey, uh, in NXT, I feel like, is this a common thread we're getting to? I feel like she's not being let loose. There's way too much focus on presentation, not as much focus on wrestling. And maybe that's intentional, you know, as we come, if we've, we've come to know it, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not seeing on the main roster the Lacey Evans that I grew to really like and appreciate in NXT. Well, how, shows how many you- times have we seen that? It shows you how much she was essentially protected in NXT because we're seeing a lot more of the seams now. She's definitely, you know, in this opening match against Becky Lynch, Becky was openly calling this match quite loudly for most of the match. John Cena levels of calling this match. And Lacey sometimes would just be like, would just stop and apparently just not like she would just freeze. She wouldn't know where to go, what to do. So the. The, the greenness shown through a few times in this match. She still has, you know, the presence is there when she's in the middle of executing moves or in the middle of a, of a series. It's, it's, it's good, but at the same time, she it does, we are seeing that she got called up perhaps a bit too soon to be put in this level of, you know, she's now having championship matches. And the unfortunate thing is, that not everyone in the crowd is just going to take it at face value. This isn't, this isn't the 80s anymore where you can have a mediocre worker 
and people won't mind as long as the gimmick is good. Her gimmick is great. Her mic work is serviceable. I, I would say almost, I would say solid. Yeah. Uh, she's she can absolutely execute a promo and you know build a feud. Uh, sure. And as and and you know, spoiler alert. Later later in the show, we found other things that she's actually quite good at. But for her to wrestle at this level this soon, I think is a mistake. And they should have known that after the Charlotte match. They should have known that after her opening up the Royal Rumble. She tends to freeze. And this was an example of it here. That being said, all that being said, they did actually pull out a fairly decent match, and that was largely helped by a very, very, very hyped-up crowd. And that's going to be a theme with the show today is the very hyped-up crowd. Yeah. But it's... I have to say, this was... I wasn't surprised this opened the show... Because it's at this point, they are going to take their fiery baby face champions. That's why Seth opens the show. One of them's going to open the show. They're going to start with a hot match. They're not going to start with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the New Day, although, as we found out, they probably could have. But they're going to open with a championship match and get the crowd riled up. And this got the crowd riled up. So it was effective uh, in that sense. It was effective in getting the crowd lit. Uh, Becky ended up putting Lacey out in the disarmor, clean as a whistle. Tapped her away. out in a millisecond. Yeah, I like that they're making the disarmor uh, an instant kill move. I think they should. They have to make it dangerous. Um, but, you know, kind of the way that they've made, they, they tried to make the figure eight instant kill. Yeah. Uh, but that's how it is in MMA. If you lock on a submission move and it's effective, if it's being effective, they don't struggle and try to get out. Oh, the damage is being done. No, you... Th- if it's a real uh, submission move, they'll rip your arm off. They'll break your arm. Uh, yeah. That's you tap out immediately, and I that's how go- it should be. I think going into this, our concern and why we made the picks that we did for in favor of Lacey was that we weren't sure where she goes from here if she did if not she pull loses. off the victory here. Correct. And come to find out, she does not. She taps out in the disarm her, and I, I again I'm left in that kind of shoulder shrugging. Well, okay. I never would have thought we got what we got later uh, or that well, that was coming. Uh, but that aside, uh, what do we do with Lacey here? Is she in trouble now that she's been just straight beaten clean, tapped out? Is there another is there another gear for Lacey Evans here? What's funny is that was my immediate assumption. And when I was writing the notes for this show, I actually, that was one of the things I wrote was, well, what the hell are they going to do with Lacey now? I think she's permanently damaged because they've had her just beaten, beaten, beaten clean by Becky. Like what else? You can't have someone keep coming back and be like, yeah, but I mean, they do, but you shouldn't in storyline. Like it's, it's not going to keep your crowds happy. It's not going to make for good shows. That being said, they did add a twist later in the show that I think says that there shows that they are going to continue this feud and gives their more a little bit more grist for the mill, although they easily could let it go right now and no one would blink an eye because it no. would feel appropriate. But I think that they did give themselves an opening to have more down the road. But we'll yeah. get to that at the end of the show. Let's move to the next match and talk about Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Oh, no, sorry, Kevin, Kevin Owens, Owens and Sami Zayn. <laughs> and Sami versus the New Day. I misread. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the, the Cammy if you will, Cami Zane versus the New Day represented by Big E and Xavier Woods. And this was a match I think a lot of people expected to be on the pre-show. They didn't expect much out of it, even though really in hindsight, you should absolutely expect this to be a banger. These four guys, I mean, they're, they're absolutely able to go out there and put on a stellar match. And they did. 
they they blew the place up. It was it was it was a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, there was no storyline though. I think it was the only negative was that there really was. I mean, I guess you could say, oh yeah, they've had their beef over the last few weeks, but uh, it wasn't. Re- there was no like hot fire. Uh, you okay? I'll grant you hot fire or lack thereof, but I I, I disagree. There is storyline here. There's the betrayal of Kevin Owens as Big O. Uh, replacing Big E while he was out for injured, uh, turning on, about that turning on Kofi. Yeah. Um, I think this was kind of a get back where you know the the brothers of Kofi in the New Day were trying to take out the guy that turned on him. I I, I like that. And if there's a through line there, they didn't they did talk about it on the commentary. They mentioned it a little bit. It wasn't greatly advertised that this was this was why they're fighting. But I, I think if you've been watching WWE for the last couple of months, you you kind of understand where that's coming from, and that you know you had the Kevin Owens, you had the singles matches, you had the back and forths. So was this a blow off though? Was this the end? I hope not. I don't think so because of how the finish happened, and that was for this. This goes out to everybody who has been complaining that Kevin Owens and Sammy have looked like losers since they came back, that they have not been used well. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn won this match. Kevin Owens gave a big old stunner to Xavier Woods, who sold it beautifully. One, two, three. And they won clean over five-time champions, over guys who hold the record for having held the belts the longest. This is an If you get a, a win over the Usos or the New Day clean, that's huge. That's a big feather in your cap. That There was not even any shenaniganry at the yeah. end of this. This was not a schmaz finish. No. Clean as a whistle this was this uh, to me this reinvigorated kevin owens and Sami Zayn. you know I, I i was starting to worry that they were becoming main event losers too much that you know they the guys to fill the space in the main event but ultimately they were going to lose this was i think a very smart decision to have them win here uh even uh, you picked it you called that yep. they were going to win here i did not i thought that they were just going to go with oh yeah new day wins lol but no they i think this was absolutely the right decision uh, the question I have here, Nick, is do Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn stay together as a tag team, which they've done before, but I know how you feel about singles wrestlers in a tag team together. I think that uh, this inevitably leads back to another cami breakup. Uh, they end up, we get Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn version 27, which none of us are going to be mad at. Um, no, I, and, think and, there's, I think I can find people. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably that's fine. fine. You can find people to be mad at everything. Right, exactly. Somebody posted a grapefruit on Twitter. God damn them. Anyway, I, I think that's where this ultimately goes. Um, it, it, right, just for something random. Anyway, I think that's where this ultimately goes. Again, uh, I, I'm as good as they have shown and proven to be. I'm starting to get a little weary of Kevin Owen friend angles. And I'm wondering when that stops between the stuff with Jericho, like the, the past with Sammy. I, I understand Sammy's coming back as a heel after his long outage with, with surgery uh, and having his friends back. I understand all of that. I'm, I'm just, I don't have a clear picture of where this goes from here. Uh, you know, they pretty much made a statement that they are better than Big E and Xavier Woods and that they didn't need to be a part of the New Day. Yeah. Well, and honestly, that that's a big storyline that could be going forward. Yeah. And frankly, I, I don't care if this ends up. That, this doesn't feel to me like a Kevin Owens, typical Kevin Owens friend angle. This feels much more uh, laid back, if you will. 
they're not pushing that angle on it. They're just there together. They're, they're not saying, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they're best friends. Look how great friends they are. It just is. It feels more organic. So yeah. that's to, that to me means that I think it would feel more organic if they were a tag team. And Lord knows, SmackDown needs tag teams. Yeah. So, you know, as much as you might hate the idea of two singles wrestlers in tag teams, it's not the worst thing they could do with either of these guys at this point. No. I and that series, the series of finishers that they laid onto the New Day to really close out the match, we got a haluva kick, we got a pop-up, good old pop-up powerbomb, which I don't remember seeing for a very long time, or at least not regularly used since he switched to the stunner, and then we got a stunner. You know, arguably three of the more over finishers uh, in recent memory for WWE, just bang, 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 and then, you know, there was, there was, a, there was, was a triple tap. There was some finisher spam at the beginning of this match, too. It was, yeah. it was a very good match, and... Uh, honestly like it's hard because this is one I would have said well why was the cruiserweight championship on the pre-show and this match on the main card well because it's really it was a really good match because it's a weekly (laughs) storyline but then that's why I think well yeah and it might come back to be a weekly storyline too good point that being said we follow this up with another very good match ricochet versus Samoa Joe for the U.S. title and I I gotta say we're gonna have to eat some crow here Nick I don't think either of us saw Ricochet getting rocket strapped and winning the U.S. title this quickly. But I'm, I couldn't. But I couldn't be happier about oh, it. Oh, I'm so ecstatic! I <laughs> did not see this coming at all, but I'm very happy for it. I gave out one of those little schoolgirl squeeze <laughs> when I saw him line up to do the six thirty and and pin him, cl- pin Samoa oh. Joe clean. Guys. When he landed the six thirty, I I exclaimed, "What?" <laughs> I thought that's Joe very was, protected. There, there's no way Joe's kicking out of that. I thought they were going to have Joe kick out of it. I'm like, what in the... Or like a leg on the rope or something. I was shocked. I was shocked. Uh, I felt like the match, the pace of the match was a little a little slower, more main rostery than I would have liked. But that's just... That's the way it is. It was still a very entertaining match. Uh, it was basically Joe being Joe. Uh, you know, murder, death, kill Joe. Versus Ricochet, who just had to absorb a whole bunch of damage and you know, get his guts up and, and come back against this monster. So fine. All of the, all of the matches at this point were all very kind of standard WWE booking. And there's nothing wrong with that. When it works, it works. And this was an instance where I think at the end of the day, it worked. Uh, one thing I will call out though, is they did steal a move from the finals of the uh, best of super juniors over in new Japan. Oh, when really? Joe, yeah. So when Joe grabbed uh, ricochet and he, he flipped him so hard that Rick Ricochet did a backflip onto his back. Yeah, straight out of the. Uh, that's that's a Will Ospreay Shingo Takagi special right there. <laughs> so that was one of like the moves everyone was looking like, oh my god. So that's absolutely a little nod from Ricochet, who's a good friend of Will Ospreay. They're always trying to one up each other. They're always trying to copy each other's moves as a little nod to each other. And that was a nice little way of saying, hey man, I see you. Yeah, etc. So considering some of the Will Ospreay stuff that uh, went down later in the weekend, I thought that was a nice moment. And a, a little nod to what I consider the best match of the year so far, which is that best of the Super Juniors final. But uh, yeah, so this was interesting. I think almost, I can't talk about this match without talking about the segment afterwards. Yeah, me too. Which is, they had Ricochet after he won the belt miraculously. And I also want to talk about like how weird it is to take the belt off of Samoa Joe so quickly. But before that, I want to talk about Ricochet going to backstage after this match and being congratulated by kind of a gaggle a grab bag of people back there uh, it was you know you had seth rollins 
You had a makeupless Charlotte Flair in plain clothes, and then just a, and a bunch of randos, and then Triple H comes up to him and gives him like the old head grab, you know, silent headbutt. You done good, kid. One of those. At a boy. At a boy. And then afterwards, we also saw Ricochet posing for his uh, renders and getting his pictures taken. And the club and AJ come up and say, hey, we got a match tomorrow night. AJ, AJ versus Ricochet, which, by the way, <laughs> put it in my veins. So I, ha- I has a theory. I, uh, I think this was the plan the whole time. I think this was originally supposed to be Ricochet versus Rey Mysterio prior to his uh, shoulder injury, his arm injury, which, frankly, would have been a dream match, uh, would have been fantastic, and we could have seen maybe even a triple threat if you still wanted to throw Joe in there, but Ricochet taking it off of someone who he looks up to very greatly in Rey Mysterio, is that would have been fantastic. As and someone I, I, who's hope there, we, I hope we still get that match one day. As someone who was there live for the Rey Mysterio-Prince Puma match at Lucha Underground, I certainly would have marked out for that match. Oh. But that that being said, I don't think that was the plan because they could have easily had, um, you know, Ray didn't have to relinquish it back to Joe. He could have said, let's have a match and, you know, pick a bunch of guys and have Ricochet win it in a five way or whatever. Some, some way to protect Joe. This was Ricochet going clean over Samoa Joe. So that was very curious to me. Yeah. And I wonder if Joe pissed somebody off backstage or if it's another example of Joe not being used to his full potential or the TNA curse. Or whatever it is. But uh, it was very odd that Ricochet wanted here. I'm just very curious now what the purpose is of having this on him. If this is truly like a stepping stone. I, I mean, it's inarguably a stepping stone uh, get of this title. For him, for him to have this title is a huge stepping stone for Ricochet. Given where he was on the main roster, he needed to have a signature win. Boom, this is it. This is absolutely a, a big moment. But... The question is, where do they go from here with this? Is he going to be a strong champion, a fighting champion, a defending, a defending champion, or is he going to be a one-month champion, a two-month champion? I'm going to go so, defending because he's already got a match with AJ Styles tonight. It's so non-title. It, it's non-title. Though. Oh, it is non-title. Okay, yeah. I did not hear that yet. Okay. They've been advertising it as Ricochet with the belt on his shoulder with AJ next to him. Yeah, but so it's, I, it's non-title. I, let's see how this plays out because I like the idea of the Good Brothers being back. I like the the idea of the three of them together again. Do we see an AJ heel turn coming here? Is this all kind of uh, premonition to it, You know, leading up to it? Hint, hint, wink, wink. Yeah, what if, what if this? we have the Japan tour coming on Friday. What if the Monday match becomes a, you know, if, if AJ beats him, then AJ gets his own title shot in Japan. And then, you know, I would, I would imagine it'd be quite possible for AJ to, to take the title off him in Japan and Ricochet's just a transitional champ. And that's one thing I'm worried about. So, yeah, it kind of does make sense. Well, you've already got the Kabuki Warrior Experience match happening, title match happening over there uh, right. against the Iconics. So throwing that into the... That hasn't, we haven't, hasn't been booked yet. They have to oh, beat okay. them on SmackDown it's gonna first. Happen. It's yeah, going to happen. Exactly. It's going to happen. Right. That being said, speaking of tag teams, we also had a tag team match between Daniel Bryan, the planet's champion, and Rowan, the big tree, versus Heavy Machinery for the SmackDown Live Tag Championships. Uh, This may have been a poor idea to have this in Tacoma, Washington. 
Yeah, this, this, this somebody didn't think that through. Also, go back to the Ricochet backstage segment. I, I liked the one shot, the play on the one shot take here where they cut after Triple H gives him the head bump and everything. We go right to uh, Heavy Machinery running out of Gorilla to their music. I thought that was clever. I thought that was, you know, that was a fun way to do it. Uh, and I, I loved the tr- as, as a transition between matches. I thought it was fun rather than the typical 101 that they normally do. Nice, a nice touch, a nice yeah. production touch. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Uh, but this was, uh, I think, perhaps a bad arena to try to get heavy machinery over in as babyfaces because they are very much that babyface crowd-pleasing tag team. Uh, they love to compare themselves to the Bushwhackers, which, guys, don't do that. Don't compare yourself to the Bushwhackers. That's not a good look. Yep. That's not, I mean, yes, Hall of Fame career, but it's not a good look. Uh, when they went into the Hall of Fame, everyone was like, really? It was a lot. Of <laughs> so, yeah, don't don't do that. But... That being said, this was weird because Daniel Bryan was over as hell. People, uh, everyone was cheering for him. Yes, chance. You would have thought he was the babyface champ again. You would have thought he was old Daniel Bryan. He is new Daniel Bryan, and he was still getting the roof blown off for him. People chanting, uh, save the planet, and buy a Prius, and Daniel Bryan, and all the rest of it. So, my goodness. This was, this was a tough tough uphill climb commentary tried as hard as they could i'll yeah. give them credit to to put over heavy machinery as much as they could otis uh you know uh pumped his crotch as much as he could did the, even broke out the caterpillar they did the compactor all of, i mean they i i they think all got food. i think the job got done <laughs> for the viewing audience probably not so much in the crowd but uh, let's see what happens uh let's i i'm not i haven't written them off yet i i, I think it was serviceable and yes, I, I will give myself a little bit of, you know, you know, bump on the wrist for being a heavy machinery mark and saying that kind of stuff. But I enjoy these guys. I think they're a callback to the fun tag teams that we used to have, even if they never really have titles. That is the one thing that SmackDown Live needs right now is a really solid, fun, crowd-pleasing babyface tag team. And I think heavy machinery might just be it. So regardless well, of where it goes with the championships, I, I think they could become one of those sort of de facto tag teams that end up in in feuds going forward. Well, and let's also be clear. I actually thought this was one of the best matches of the night as well. Yeah. And I think only the weird crowd reaction kept it from being so because everyone went all out in this match. You, I mean, you, the Heavy Machinery guys pulled out stuff you haven't seen them do in a while. Tucker did a goddamn moonsault to the outside. Or he, did a, he did a couple of moonsaults. Yeah, he did a moonsault. And I think he did like a, a, a crossbody to the outside. But it was still like, it was nuts. Um, and a very exciting match. And, you know, also Daniel Bryan on the pre-show gave what I think has to be in contention for one of the best promos of the year. Uh, it started off with what, what seemed like Charles Robinson walking into his shot, like for real. And then he was yelling at Charles Robinson for being there and then came right back to the camera and started screaming about the tag team division and, and the prestige for it and uh, all the rest. It was a brilliant promo. It was worth the whole pre-show, in my opinion. And yeah. then to have that feed into this match, which in which you know he frankly made Heavy Machinery look great. Both he and Rowan did. I thought Heavy Machinery, like they, they did a great job of selling for them and made them look amazing, even though they en- ended up beating them. Uh, they put them over big time, I think, in this match. The only problem is, is that the crowd hated heavy machinery. They couldn't get over. I mean, it was it was bizarre world for heavy machinery. And I guess the only thing I have to ask you, Nick, was did you take that as it was fun 
or was the crowd going into business for itself, trying to get itself over, like trying to get all their funny catchphrases on TV? And if so, was that okay or was that disruptive? I think it was a little bit of both, and I think it had everything to do with it being Daniel Bryan's hometown. I don't sure. take anything away from heavy machinery there. I think this is a one-off. Anytime, like you go to San Jose and it's Bailey's crowd, regardless of what's going on. You go to, you know, you go if you're going to go to Atlanta, AJ Styles is going to be over, even if he's the biggest, baddest dick in the room. So it's the same thing for Daniel Bryan there in, in Tacoma. So I, I don't, I don't take anything away from this other than, yeah, they were chanting some fun stuff about buy a Prius. Look, this is one of the more active crowds we've had in a long time, regardless only, of how many yeah. people were there. Right. For being a tiny crowd, they were, yeah. they were lit. Yeah. They were so, definitely uh, more active than some of the big crowds we've had. I'm skeptically op- optimistic for heavy machinery here. I think that, you know, they Hashtag are going Hashtag skeptically optimistic. <laughs> I think they are going to be one of the staple tag teams uh, in some way, shape, or form in WWE going forward. And it's just going to be a matter of time. Um, it, you know, give it, give it time. I, I hope so. I hope oh, you're right. Speaking I know you're, of which, Rowan Shirtwatch. Do, do we? Get, oh, Rowan Shirtwatch. Uh, yeah. Do we get his, his band on his shirt? Rowan, yeah. Solstafir. Solstafir. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know that one. No, it stumped me too. That was a nice, obscure one. I did look them up though, and they're pretty good. Yeah. I believe our uh, listener and fan Ron. of the show, uh, Andy Jessup, is working on putting together a Spotify playlist. Uh, I think he did it actually. Did he? he? Okay. Yeah, he posted he post a picture of it in the discussion group <laughs> or in the uh, live chat. So be so. sure to look for that if you're a Spotify subscriber. Look for Andy's uh, Rowan Shirtwatch Spotify the playlist. The Rowan Shirtwatch, Shirtwatch playlist. Yes. Uh, but yes, so just a final thing on this match. So one of, the, one of the complaints about this match was that it ended in a little schoolboy roll-up, one, two, three. Was that and a problem for you, Nick, or did that not matter? Because it was, the, 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 it was only weird because of the juxtaposition of the baby face uh, getting rolled up and the heel doing the roll-up when the crowd was reacting opposite to them? Normally, yeah. I, I view that as a, uh, a feud continuation. Like, they're going to have another match. They're going to continue this. Sure. Um, it ultimately leading to heavy machinery finally getting over one of uh, one of the two of them and, and getting a championship reign, regardless of how long it is. Uh, that's what I see it as. It's, it's a cheaty, heel, shitty thing to do. It's um, sneaky. It's, yeah, it's, it's sneaky. It's underhanded. But at the same time, it is legal. Yep. It, does, it is a clean win. Yep. But at the same time, it leaves you wanting more. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case here, then I'm not mad at that. And I don't think it takes away from this match. Uh, no. If anything, you know, it's it's a little underwhelming given how good the rest of the match was. But at the same time, it makes me want more from, from these four guys. Yeah. I did think they were, they were going to transition the championships here. Uh, I picked Heavy Machinery. Duh. Yeah, you picked you uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, Eric Rowan. Maybe you had some insider information or put that together that it was going to be down the street from Daniel Bryan's hometown. I didn't put that together. Well, uh, I actually, my mom owns a Prius, so I asked her what she thought, and uh, <laughs> and she was right. So moving on, we had Alexa Bliss versus Bailey next for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. And I don't know about you, Nick, but for me, this is when the show started to take a turn. Yeah. Uh, nothing, uh, well, I shouldn't say nothing essentially wrong with either of these women in terms of talent, but for me, I, there's something about Alexa Bliss's in-ring work that there's a disconnect with me uh she does all of her facial expressions are fine um i think that her psychology is fine but there's just something that's that doesn't click with me and, and i may be the intensity the fact that she's scared to take a bump it may you know which is the the reputation she has and say what you will she did take a couple of nasty ones in this in this match but definitely seemed like she was avoiding a straight up back bump but also it's just that it didn't seem to have the the pep 
that even Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans did. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with that. So, yeah, there's something Something was just not here. That being said, on the upside, this was an Alexa Bliss-Bailey match that was watchable. Can I just say that? Like, the curse is broken. This was a watchable Alexa Bliss-Bailey match. No poles were involved. No kendo sticks on those poles were involved. No, no, no. Bailey looked strong. She looked like a fierce champion. Uh, and, you know, was this also essentially defending against two people because Nikki Cross was there distracting her and getting a little bit involved. And Nikki was involved in the finish. Nikki came in uh, after Bailey leveled her outside. Nikki came in and got uh, tried to get involved, but just ended up distracting Alexa instead of uh, actually helping her. Yeah. And ended up, Bailey ended up getting the pin. Do you think this is where Alexa splits off from Nikki? You know, we saw him hugging and sitting on the apron or against the ropes at the end of the match. Uh, Alexa was somewhat indifferent to it, but Nikki was. It felt well, like she was begging for forgiveness for costing Alexa the match. That was my interpretation of, yeah, of what the happened. End, but did you see at the end of that when Alexa pushed her off? No, so, I didn't. This, I think this is the yeah. This the, the, honestly, this feud to me was not really about Alexa and Bailey. This is more about setting up Alexa and Nikki, and mm. you know they're not even on the same brand. Alexa and Bailey. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was done, and I kind of hope it's done. Bailey needs to move on to somebody else. Not Charlotte, but somebody else. And I wouldn't be mad if, because honestly, the Alexa Nikki storyline is some of the most interesting, uh, dare I say, delicate writing that WWE is doing right now. And of course, you know, still about as delicate as a mallet. But at the same time, it's it's good stuff. It's intriguing stuff. It's interesting stuff. And they're both playing their parts very well. So I'm curious to see that continue to evolve. But just do it away from Bailey. Yeah, I mean, this is this was fine. It did its part. We both expected Bailey to retain here, and she did. Thank goodness. She she needed to. She needed to have this redemption match against Alexa Bliss. Now she's gotten that out of her hair. Now Check. she can move on. Checkbox completed. Yeah, and Alexa and Nikki can go back to Monday Night Raw and continue their storyline of what's going on with them. So, yep. fantastic. Yep. Uh, next up, however, Nick, it's time for the big dog. Roman Reigns. I, th- I think Michael Cole actually reached full completion when he announced him <laughs> coming out this week. Because he even said it with pause, like uh, the big uh, dog. Uh, oh, God, the big dog. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I want to say something a little controversial here. Uh-oh. I really liked this match. This it's is fun, yeah, okay. this is the Roman Reigns that I think you and I have kind of been dancing around and hinting at the last couple of weeks on our main show that are we seeing the kind of Roman that we have wanted to see all along, the silent killer, the ass-whipping, you know, big dog. We're kind of... I really enjoyed the physicality of this match. It was, you know, I love big hoss matches. Two big 285-pounders just beating the absolute hell out of each other. And that is absolutely what we got. Uh, I, I, this overperformed for my expectations going into it. So it overperformed even though it was a classic Super Cena-style match. Sure. Because Roman picked up the win here after being Alabama, Alabama slammed through the announce table. Shane gets involved, co- gives him a coast-to-coast, kicks out. He, he took everything except for the Claymore. And, uh, and then, you know, spear, ooh-ah, one, two, three. Or, you know, Superman punch, Ooh, spear, whatever. You know the sequence. I do. It was it was super Cena booking. Only now sure. it's lol Roman wins. Um, so that to me was the one thing that I, uh, I got huge eye roll. But I agree. 
it was built really well. It was a really well-built match. It was an extremely well-performed match by both of these guys. I thought, as you said, hard-hitting, very physical. These guys were up in each other's guff. And it, it felt really intense. It felt very intense. Both these guys are very high-level performers. I heard somebody, someone online said that Drew McIntyre lumbers in the ring. And I was like, are you watching the same guy I watched? There's no way that guy that size should move as quickly or as crisply as he does. You got your goddamn mind. It is freaking <laughs> unreal. And yeah, so no, Nick, I agree with you. This was a very well-worked, very watchable match. But at the same time, why have Drew go out to Super Roman at this point in their feud? Should have been just, a, th- this should have been the schmoz finish on the sure. card. Sure. Give yeah. it a small, make it so that they can't keep Roman down, so they have to put him down. I mean, and they're already doing there. a rematch this week or tonight on. Yeah, on they Raw, already had so. a backstage segment where they showed Drew being super pissed and Shane being pissed, and Shane says, "Fine, it's going to be a two-on-one match on Raw." Oh, oh, the odds are really stacked against the big dog today, Nick. Oh, he's got to fight uphill. He's what under- are Duke boys going to do to get out of this pickle? Uh, yeah, exactly. Eastbound and down, loaded up in truck. Oh, you know, I don't. I I think I said at some point it was going to be uh, Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns for the championship at some point earlier this year. I think this ultimately builds to that. Um, I I don't know what the hell Shane is doing here. I but don't know <laughs> why the hell an A lister like Drew McIntyre is is be, continuing to be used as a goon. I, I just there's a lot of things that don't make sense that it's almost like you have to trust the process a bit and just kind of go with it to see how it all plays out. But the writing's on the wall for this, as far as I'm concerned. But we already know that that Drew will lose clean to Roman. Like that's you established that at WrestleMania. You've been establishing that like he's a threat, but this this absolutely defangs him every time he says Roman. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I will end you. I'm gonna disfigure you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to send you back to your family, and they won't even recognize you. Like, we don't believe uh, that anymore. Yeah. You, sorry. You, no, you won't. You can, you can huff and puff and say the same things over and over again, but it's just it's not going to be true, bro. And I hate to say I'm a huge Drew McIntyre fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, Me I, too. I, uh, his music kicks, and I start getting all, freedom! <laughs> uh, but I, I, I can't anymore with the way they're booking him. This was the wrong finish, is what I'm saying here. I, I think agree. this was this was a good match with the wrong finish. There was another way they could have done this that would have made the feud more engaging. Here's the other problem: this right now is their most controversial feud. This is people are sick of Shane. They don't want to see Shane. They're not going to want to see Shane anymore when they're sitting there going, "Dude, Roman just beat y'all clean. Go away." Yeah. This is yeah. So very much the wrong decision. We both had the opposite. We both had Drew winning here. Because that's what should have happened, Nick. Thought they listened. I thought they yep. listened, Nick. Well, this would have been the get back from the WrestleMania match. Exactly. Uh, we've had several weeks of back and forth at this point. And then they go on to, what's the next one? Extreme Rules. We yeah. have an Extreme Rules match with Roman and, um, and, and Drew McIntyre. Maybe kick Shane out so he can't get involved. But it's going to be no DQ, so Shane will get involved. Get involved. I, I can predict all of this comes, right? So ultimately, we end up with Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. I, I hope. And you know, I mean, let's, Extreme let's Rules get those is two. just a heartbeat away. So yeah, you know, two weeks. Yeah, I think 
<laughs> Crazy. Great. They're they're out of their minds with the schedule. <laughs> but uh, next up, we had a match which to me was either a love it or hate it match, uh, especially in our in our online group and for me personally. And that was the cage match between Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship. Uh, Nick, I'm gonna let you go first on this one because I got I got thoughts. Well, I'll be quick. Match. I was I was mostly indifferent on this match. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm kind of tired of this version of Dolph Ziggler at this right. point, even though this promo work continues to be stellar and five-star. Even though the whole, it should have been me, uh, is starting to grate on a lot of people, it's still fantastic promo work, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not too mad at that. I just I want to go back to arrogant, you know, uh, show off Dolph Ziggler with the blonde crazy perm and AJ Lee and Big E at, on each flanking him on each side, world champion, uh, money in the bank winner, all of that. I want that Dolph Ziggler back. And we've lost the show off somewhere in all of this. The show off used to be the guy that does all of the stuff in the ring that this new Dolph Ziggler does. But now it's this kind of just eh, emo, whiny. Sh- I don't like, you know, the one same of, way I didn't like the new Daniel Bryan earlier this year. Maybe well, it'll you, grow on me, you, but I don't think so. We've been you getting turned this, around on Daniel Bryan real quick, though. I did. We've been getting this version of Dolph Ziggler, though, for about mm, two years almost. So Some iteration of it. This, this seems to be a slight differentiation, but he's sure. trying to defend it like it's something new on Twitter. And I, I hate to disagree with him, but... This is this is kind of another shade of the same thing. This it's is record like, scratch 2.0. Yeah, it's not like a reinvention like a Chris Jericho reinvention here. And someone on his on, on this Twitter page when he posted this thing, you know, this little bit saying, well, no matter what I do, basically the fans are, are saying, yeah, but uh, um, you know, he said, well, I come back and I, now I'm, you know, tortured, angry Dolph Ziggler and fans still say, well, yeah, but that's not what we want. Well, and someone said, someone responded, you know, dude, someone's tortured and angry is another person's whiny bitch. And that I thought was, was you know, not exactly polite, but <laughs> true. <laughs> this is going to grate on some people. Like, you may think you're going out there and bearing your soul, and I'm being so emotional, and I'm, I'm putting all this out there. And people in the crowd are going, oh, shut up, and go buy a shirt from, go buy a nice black shirt from Hot Topic, and, and cry to your mama, and, you know, uh, just come on. I'll quote Dennis Leary and say, I wanted to be the starting center fielder for the Boston Red Sox. Life sucks. Get a helmet. That's a that's a, exactly great way to put it. But that's that is beside the point for this match. Like whatever Dolph's character is, it definitely I don't think is is, is engaging the crowd on the level that they think it should. Uh, and that certainly was the case with this match, which was a long grinding affair inside a cage and the crowd just died this was a, one of the hypest crowds they've had in a long time and crickets during this match for these Not, two guys in a steel cage oof. it should have been live like, it should have been live yeah <laughs> it should have been live uh and it should have been but they they went with this very old school methodical grinding style for this match and i'm going to go back the, the reason i have an issue with the modern WWE cage match is that it, you know they're relying too heavily on the you can win by escaping the cage clause. Uh, and that to me, it, it not only does it kill the purpose of the cage, 
which is to beat your opponent so badly that they can't stop you from exiting, or you know, if that's going to be a stipulation, or sure. the idea is that it 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 makes it so there's no outside interference and just it's just the two guys going at it, which was kind of a theory here was oh it keeps the new day away from them, fine, um, but that was that doesn't make it any more exciting once you get in the cage and they don't use the cage enough as a weapon. And we've, you know, they do all of these near escape spots, which we've seen billions of times. And frankly, you know, one of the, give me, give me a second for a small aside here. Go for it. The, the Royal Rumble is inherently a ridiculous match. Yeah. It is, it, it is a bunch of guys faking like they're, they're about to get thrown over the rope for 90% of the match. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, gravity doesn't work on them. Then they go soaring through the air over the top rope when they're supposed to. But most of the match, it looks very unrealistic. But it's, we, we, we buy into it because it's so exciting. It's so inherently exciting as well. Who's going to be next? Who's going to knock out who? Like, there's all kinds of things always happening. So it, it remains engaging. With a cage match, it's two guys. And we can barely see them because of the, the, the wire as it is. But then it becomes these two guys doing the same kind of unrealistic spot. Oh, is he going to fall out? Oh, the one leg's over the top of the cage. Oh, he's crawling so slowly towards the front door. And all we have are those two guys to stare at and go, wow, this really looks dumb. This looks very unrealistic. I like you, you said something earlier that I want to I hone in on. It's, um, it's, more, it's supposed to be about bleeding your, beating your opponent so so mercilessly inside the cage that they're unable to stop you from escaping the cage. What we have now is more, It's instead of beating each other up, it's about the pursuit uh, of the other one trying to get out of the cage and stopping them, right? And being not to a point of, was there much fighting in here? Not much. It was mostly trying to keep the other one from escaping There was a the lot cage. of submissions, and there was a lot of submissions too, which is why, also... Why are you doing submissions in a steel cage match? Uh, well, there, it was pinfall or submission as well, but there's no rope breaks, which they apparently forgot last pay-per-view with this one. <laughs> Kofi reaches the ropes and Dolph screaming at him, there's no rope breaks! No rope breaks! Uh, submissions in a cage match, I, like I get it, you're trying to wear down your opponent, and they definitely went with the Dolph's tearing Kofi's leg off angle with this. Doesn't make for an exciting match. And this match to me was just, this was death. I was, I was dying. I don't like this style of match to begin with, and that's yeah. my personal thing. But... This was just this played right into everything I don't like about these matches. Uh, you know, I, I again, like you said, it's about beating your opponent so senseless you can just walk out. Bruno San Martino and Larry Zabisco in a cage in Madison Square Garden. Bruno beat him so bad he left him lying in the middle of the ring and just walked out of the ring, and it was badass. It was badass, but of course that's San Martino. But the the point is, is that you know this wasn't that. I did like the finish here though. I did like their finish, which is uh, Kofi ends up, you know, giving like a wild super kick to Dolph and Dolph's body goes flying over near the door. And as Dolph looks up and goes, oh, my God, I'm almost out of the cage and starts crawling. Kofi does a suicide dive. Sorry, we can't say that anymore. Tope, 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 tope as a tope through the top ropes to the outside before Dolph hits the floor. That That was a cool finish. I liked it. But after 20 minutes of grinding, 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 it was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was more yeah. of a relief and an excitement to get into the next match, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But you did pick uh, properly here. I did. Uh, I thought they might actually flip this on us to uh, to give us uh, you know some sort of Roman feud going into 
uh, SummerSlam or Extreme Rules or something along those lines. Somehow, some way, that belt is getting on Roman in the next 90 days. And it's, I, I thought that's why I picked that as a bit of a flyer. Let's see what happens. So. Or it's going to get on Brock, and then Roman will go for it. But yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at that point, I was going, okay, cool. It's done. Kofi can celebrate at the top of the ring. Let's all hope this is done with Dolph and he can move on to another exciting uh, feud of some sort. There was no indication as to whether that was going to happen or not. But then we had to get to the most intriguing thing about this whole pay-per-view, for looking from the outside in before the pay-per-view. Who was going to be the special guest referee for the main event, Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin? Who was Baron Corbin going to decide? Earlier in the show, we saw Paul Heyman coming out of his dressing room, which, you know, immediately I saw, it was like, okay, well, it's not going to be Brock now. Immediate swerve. Uh, you know, oh, it's going to be Brock. Oh, no, he's not coming to Tacoma for this paycheck. Uh-uh. So, uh, and you texted actually- me before the show and changed yours, yes. just to be clear for the viewers. I know we called ours on Thursday, but you had sent me a text uh, either before or during the pre-show uh, to say you wanted to change yours. I had picked Robert Roode, but you wanted to change yours to AJ Styles. I did. I thought those, and then of course I, he showed up during the Ricochet segment, and I went, "Oh <laughs> no, stop!" Uh, I had also heard rumblings about Charlotte Flair, and then she was backstage when uh, when Ricochet came back, and without her makeup on, I was like, "Oh, it's not going to be her." So yeah, we were. Everyone was kind of stumped. Who would he pick? And there was everything from like returning superstars, NXT call-ups, Brock Lesnar, uh, you know, double swerve. And there are a lot of speculation. And I think, oh, I, think Wade, I think Wade Keller called it. Very few people called who it actually was. And that was, as Seth is posing in the ring, saying anyone who comes out is getting this chair. Got his chair ready. And Baron Corbin goes, you know, he's chasing him around. Finally, Baron Corbin goes, fine. Here's my referee, Lacey Evans. The crowd hated it, hated it. And I have to say, in our live chat, there was a bunch of people going, really? What? Uh." And then, Nick, the more you thought about it, the more you went, holy crap, that literally is the most logical choice. With the feud happening between her and Becky, and now the whole boyfriend angle with Becky and Seth. and And Seth can't hit her with the chair. Right. It's kind of brilliant. It's really, it's really smart. Yep. Uh, but the crowd did not think so. They said this is stupid. Yep. They chanted all. They chanted AEW. They chanted. Oh, we CM heard AEW, CM Punk. Oh, we heard all mad. the whole. They went down the whole list. Oh, they were mad. <laughs> oh yeah, they did. They did it all. They got. They got all of the, all of the standard uh, standard ones. This is stupid. This is boring. Uh, they were. Yeah, they were fired up. And I have to say, this was one instance where a, a crowd gets lit up like this. And I was sitting there going, "No, guys, honestly, like." This is probably one of the best decisions they could have made for this. Yeah. And sure enough, you know what? The crowd was proven wrong, which is probably the worst thing that could happen is Vince McMahon being proven right here, given the current state of things. But the crowd came around on this because, you know what? They ended up telling a very compelling story. Lacey Evans is actually, you know what? She's really good as a heel referee. She's very, very good as a heel referee and did her part very well. Yep. Nope, absolutely. Um, I thought she... It was a little slow in the beginning for me, and I was going, oh, no. Oh, this this is not going to end well. But when she started making kind of executive changes on this fly, such as uh, making it a no-count-out match after uh, Seth uh, power-bombed 
Baron Corbin through the announce table. And now all of a sudden she counts to nine very, very slowly and dramatically and then tells <laughs> the uh, ring announcer to announce that it is now a no count out match. Uh, this yeah, uh, slow counts. Up. She was doing yeah. slow counts all, all the whole thing. Seth uh, goes out and gets Corbin, throws him in, uh, and Corbin picks up the chair and starts hitting Seth. And while she's looking off to the side at her nails and doing all kinds of stuff off to the side. Yeah, okay. Now I'm starting to go, okay, this is this is a little bit slow and grindy, but I'm I'm kind of getting into it. Let's see where this goes. Baron beats the hell out of Seth with the steel chair, and then makes it she makes it a no DQ match. Which of course was that's that, this was the perfect build though, wasn't it? Because yeah. it it slowly introduces these new elements like it's you could see it all coming. But it all made sense. They told the story well where you could you understood why they had every level of this onion getting peeled back. Yeah. And then once it became no DQ, you, you, you realized, oh, you know what? Because you saw it coming. Now Becky can come out. Yep. And that, sure was, enough, that was the gate key to, to just uh, let Becky come and get involved in this whole thing. Yep, and sure enough, at a certain point, Lacey finally, you know, well, she, I shouldn't say she showed her true colors, but she finally crossed the, the Rubicon, as it were, and gave Seth a low blow. Yeah, and she as, held it there for quite some time, too, which she is did. She, uh, she was, she <laughs> oh. was did. She was checking out the, uh, the old home turf there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, as, uh, as Becky later would, would tweet, you can slow count him, you can not count him out, you can do all kinds of stuff to him, but you touch his nuts, and I'm going to come kick your ass. And yep. she did. Out came Becky Lynch to a huge ovation. The crowd was fully back into it by this point. She comes running out, annihilates Lacey Evans, annihilation. And then uh, Seth gets the stomp on Baron Corbin. And uh, here's the best part about the whole thing. To me, this was the brilliant, most brilliant little touch. They didn't have to do this. But this was, the, this was the thing that made me go from this was a good idea to this was brilliant. And that was having the referees come out to separate Becky from Lacey Evans. A whole bunch of referees come out. And then in the scuffle, one of the referees gets thrown into the ring because, you know, Seth is, has, has Seth and Baron are going at it. And Baron turns around, and by God, the new referee for the match is John Cone. The one yes. who screwed him over in Saudi Arabia, the one he had the whole issue with in the first place, the guy who started off this whole thing about him wanting a, a real referee. Now he's stuck with John Cone again. And sure enough, right away... You get a stomp, one, two, three, John Cone counts it. That was such a brilliant storytelling touch that I, I had to just so I had to sit back and go, you know what? For all the crap that creative gets, man, when they get it right, that was a home run. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. The the interaction with John Cone there at the end really just kind of sealed the deal for me. I was really down on this. When I heard Lacey was coming out, I went Oh God! And then I started to process <laughs> yeah. it like you did, and I went, "No, wait, hang on." This and taking it to the point of no count out, no DQ, and then introducing John Cone and Becky into the whole thing, and it was really fantastic. And sure. I, I hat tip to Creative on that one, and you know, for what it's worth, Vince, because I'm sure he was involved at some level with, with with putting all of that together. So, great way to close out the show on a high. We got a lot of good little 
picturesque moments of the new hot new couple in WWE between Becky and Seth. Yeah, you know, I'm sure I was I was waiting for him to do the whole kiss thing. No, that's they, they looked like they they I was, I'm glad they didn't. But no, Becky slapped his ass and he looked like he was shocked and surprised. Uh, you know, we can see who the man is is, is in this in this relationship, yeah. and I mean the that man's as a, man. As well, that's Seth. Saying. That's Seth is now the man's man. Yeah, <laughs> the man's I, man. I, I love make that, that T-shirt real quick. <laughs> brilliant. I love that Becky held the ropes for him, and he was kind of all bashful and. It was. It was. Everything was very sweet. Their relationship is so pure, Nick. Yes, it's like the, it's like it's like the driven snow. It, uh, <laughs> oh, we God. all we all wish we could have a relationship that pure. Well, neither uh, of us ever saw Lacey coming. Neither of us picked the. Re- I picked Robert Roode. You picked AJ Styles because yeah. we just really had no idea because <laughs> Seth no had beaten idea. his way through the I'm, entire roster. I mean, at that I'm point. kicking myself in hindsight. You know, I yeah. like to. I like to. I like to think that I. You know, have it's, a fairly said, decent idea show, what I'm, what's going on. But this was one of those forehead slapping moments of just duh. You know, but I, I should have seen it coming. Here's the problem. I also, I looking back, I'm like, man, I really didn't invest any time into trying to pick apart what would be a good logical referee choice because I didn't really care. Yeah. They, they hadn't gotten me invested. And that's one thing I want to talk about here as we wrap up the show is how this was all built. Should Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans be at the top of the card right now, given other people that they have? That's been a, a topic of conversation lately. Are, are they too green? Are they just not engaging the audience correctly? Are they pushing them? Are they, are they interpreting the audience's reactions in the wrong way? Or are they just being bullheaded? Uh, I think in the case of Lacey Evans, it's absolutely like we've always said about her since her NXT days, Nick, was when Vince sees her, it's the Rockets. She's, yep. she's going all the way to the top. And by God, if there's one thing we've ever been right about, Nick, were we right about that? Vince saw her and went, by God, she's going to be on TV every week. She's going to have her walk out there in the ring. It's going to be great. Good shit. So it's, is it too soon or is, are they the wrong people to put in these in the title picture right now, or is that just because of the time of year it is that we're getting Corbin and Evans in this position? Or are there other people that could be there or are they there? And they're actually diminishing Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch by being their opponents. Devil's advocate, if I may. Uh Oh, who else you got that we haven't already seen? I like that. This is fresh. Let them be a little bit green. Let them learn live. But at the same time, do what do we get? Charlotte again? What, do we get Brock Seth again? Do we get Roman Seth again? I, I, we've seen just about everything that they could throw at us. I The last six months, I have come around with, on Baron in a very big way. I hated all of that shit at the end of the year last year with him and Lashley and McIntyre. And then the whole GM angle where he got like massive nuclear heat and has had it ever since. I've come around on the whole Constable Corbin and, and after stuff. Yeah, you, and I, you and I both loved Constable yeah. Corbin. So I'm I'm do I I don't I'm not arguing that this is the best it could be. I'm arguing that it's at least not the same thing we've been watching for the last two years. Sure, but again, whose fault is that? If you say there's nothing else that we haven't already seen, would they have a would they have the biggest roster they've ever had? Sure, you know what, what I mean. Well, like, we did, why, somebody measured it, counted the other day. It was 129 oh, superstars least, or something. At least, yeah. why, why do you not have more superstars you can plug into a program with Seth Rollins that are ready to go? Right? Why? I mean, look at the guys we have. Why haven't you built Lashley up, who absolutely could be a top level guy if handled correctly? He has is not it, been handled correctly. The other wild card I'll throw at you is this Corbin's get back for the whole taking one on the chin for the GM stuff earlier in the year? What do you mean get back? He just lost. 
No, I mean, I'm he not... got, like, publicly shamed by the entire McMahon family. Oh, uh, come in, on. In the... I, I understand. You know they're behind Corbin. He, uh, oh, honestly, sure. Even, even when he... He's had a very strange career where we keep thinking that people backstage are down on him, and they're not because he keeps getting push, 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 and being put in these scenarios. They're obviously fine with Corbin. They like Corbin a lot. He's big. He can, eh, he can talk. He's, he gets a crowd reaction. So absolutely, man. They, they, they see a lot of things. He's, he's been kind of earmarked ever since NXT. Yeah. So a lot of this perception that he's not liked backstage, I say look at the number of times he's been in major matches. He, they let him retire Kurt Angle at WrestleMania despite everyone screaming their heads off about it. You know what I mean? So it's, they're obviously high on Corbin backstage, or somebody is. But I, I definitely wonder, you know, if they're going to look at their sales figures here and blame their champs or blame who they're putting their champs against. That's because good, it takes two to tango. Yeah, good question frankly. there. Yeah. Frankly. Uh, so, yeah. So, we, we both picked Seth to win, but neither of us picked that ref. But uh, thanks to Kofi Kingston triumphing over Dolph Ziggler, Nick, I'm happy to say that I triumphed in the pickums. Oh. And you, sir, you, sir, can expect a new little bit of Naya merch coming oh. your coming oh, your way, my friend. Um, so a couple quick things before we're done here. Well, one quick thing and then one thing we might have to save for a, actually a bonus episode. That's how much of this stuff I want to talk about with it. Uh, one th- first things first, do you like, I want to talk about the attendance numbers and the performance of this pay-per-view. Like overall, what did you think? Because at the top of the show, you said you had a lot to say and not a lot to say about this pay-per-view. Did you think that it overperformed? Do you think that it was a good, solid pay-per-view? Or do you think that this was just like another backlash, battleground, like, eh, B pay-per-view, throw away, don't care? B, ba- the latter, yes. Really? I, I, the, the thing that saved me from really disliking this pay-per-view is the abs- the ending of it with, you know, uh, the surprise of Lacey being the referee, uh, the what we got out of it, the interaction with John Cohn, and that whole story that almost went to a meta level of greater storytelling, parallel storytelling, uh, that really just kind of, you know, I, it upgraded it for me just a little bit. You know, the Roman and Drew match overperformed for my expectations. Um, the, I was really let down by the Kofi Dolph match. Didn't really like the greenness of the Lacey-Becky match at the top of the show. Kevin Owens and uh, Sammy versus New Day was fantastic. I want to see more of that. And, of course, the Cruiserweight match for the championship, getting Drew Gulak strapped finally. Um, it, so, yeah, it, it ultimately overperformed uh, from what I, I was going into it with very low backlash caliber expectations. <laughs> um, you know, they tried to do away with it and replace it with this one. Um, sorry, guys, it's kind of still backlash. Uh, my only down note that I would say about it is the repurposing of the storylines over and over, uh, getting the same matches over and over again. You upgraded them a little bit with some different nuance here, but it mostly felt like a repeat of some of the things we've been watching since WrestleMania. So I, that's it where was. I'm, it literally it literally was with some of these yeah. rematches, tons of the rematches. And we just had that was super, super shit show showdown uh, on the other side of the world, uh, among other things. And, you know, I'm, I'm oh, it, we're getting into summer Sam's summer Sam summer slam season now. So I'm wondering if things are going to kick into gear. We got about six weeks roughly till SummerSlam. I want to see things start amping up a little bit um, from here. This one, I'll give you a little bit of a pass on. B minus. I enjoyed it fine. Uh, I'm, there wasn't anything I'm going to go back and watch again. Um, the crowd was fantastic. Tacoma was awesome. Mad shout out to you guys. But yeah, a I, I, eh, lot to say, but not a lot to say 
at except, the end of the day. Except for going, shout out to the crowd, except for the going rogue in the main event. Like, shut up, sit back. Like, that was a good call. Sure. Uh, but they did. They settled down. They came back around. So props to that. I, I would mostly agree with you, except I think it was a solid B. I, I think it overperformed, and it was actually quite a good show. I agree. I don't think there's anything I would go back and watch as well. I agree. But at the same time, I thought for what my expectations were, this was way better than what I thought it was going to be. It, 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 yeah, it ground down a little bit in the second half. That Kofi-Dolph match is just not what I wanted to, to see. Bailey-Alexa. Bailey-Alexa was just okay. And Roman and Drew, you know, good match, wrong ending. And honestly, it's I, I don't need to see Roman and Drew again. Like, yawn. It it doesn't have what like what do we liked about Roman and Braun? It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it's not getting there. Um, but aside from that, a fan, honestly a really good fantastic show, uh, and very helped by the crowd. So yeah, I did think it overperformed. I, and as as it, it could have been way way worse. Just look at Backlash last year. But uh, one last thing, Nick, before we get out of here, and I'm I'm going to say this right now. We're, we're going to touch on this. This is going to have to be a bonus episode for our patrons because there's just too much to say here at the end of a recap show. But Seth Rollins, before this pay-per-view, tweeted out, best quote, best pro wrestling on the planet. And mm. this has become an ongoing thing. It, it, he has been coming back to this and l- literally doubling down, quote, doubling down on this statement. I'll, I'll go through it here in a second. But this has created a kind of a little bit of an internet firestorm. I think he's been taking Twitter tips from Becky or something. But uh, obviously, tons of people have responded to this, mostly derisively, because frankly, on the, sur- on the surface, I think that's it's a ridiculous statement. Uh, on many levels, on multiple levels, one, WWE doesn't do pro wrestling. Just ask Vince. Uh, it does sports entertainment. If you want to say he's the best sports entertainer on the planet, I might... I might agree with you i think there's an argument to be made has but, been for 30 years in my opinion you know but you know i i'm seth and seth seth in particular you know or if he's talking about the brand yeah sports entertainment fine but pro wrestling you can't even use that term for wwe no <laughs> vince won't even allow you to use that term he doesn't like wrestling he likes stories so right off the bat you had people like chris jericho you know tweet back with us with a laughing face Tamatonga from New Japan said, "Best pro wrestling in the goddamn galaxy." Don't at me, bitch. You had uh, you had Will Osprey throwing some shade. You had Roman Reigns, of course, backing his boy up with a period and exclamation point. And later on, after getting all of this flack from the Twitterverse, Seth Rollins said, "As I said, quote, doubling down, best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat, and that's just one night, one match amongst the many." Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do as often as I do it. You can't. And you can see where this is going because immediately people started just flooding him with everyone who does it better than he does. Uh, and I think that Seth Rollins is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. I think that that's inarguable. Sure. I don't think he's doing his best work in WWE for the record. Uh, but this continued where uh, Will Ospreay hit him up and said, uh, I'm alive. And... Yeah, <laughs> honestly, drop. if there was one person who I immediately thought of when Seth came out with this, it was Will Ospreay because Will Ospreay has worked nearly as many, if not more dates than Seth Rollins has this year. He's had multiple five star matches this year and has been on a roll unlike anything I've seen since Okada. Like He is murdering it right now. 
Uh, Osprey is on a next level right now. But of course, Seth tweeted back at, at Osprey. Ah, oh, I'm sorry, little guy. We already have a better version of you here, and he just won his first U.S. title tonight. Congrats at King Ricochet. Keep working hard, though, buddy. So the shade doth flow from Seth Rollins. Uh, of course, uh, Osprey tweeted back, ooh, you hard. And yeah. Seth Rollins continued today when more, more like major outlets started coming back at him. Uh, and I'm going to try and get through this, this tweet thread really quickly and get to my point. Um, you had one guy said, Seth, I love you, but seriously, dude, dial it down a notch. And Seth said, nah, dog, let me dial it up. Nah, dog, dog in 2019. Nah, dog, let me dial it up. I've sat back and watched idiots with no clue talk poorly about the place I dedicate my life to every hour of every day. The level I perform at on a constant is untouchable. Time to let him know. So now he's calling the people who comment on his matches idiots. And then he responded to cage side seats who uh, tweeted a picture of Daffy Duck laughing and said, remember when Seth Rollins said that the WWE had the best pro wrestling in the world? And Seth Rollins responded, sure do, dorks. And after that pay-per-view, I stand by it even more. The crew brought it tonight. From top to bottom, all-out effort from every person in the ring and out. And you're still talking slash writing about it. So yes, we are talking and writing about Seth Rollins and his opinions on what the WWE product is and how good it is. And... What do you think about all this, Nick? Before I before I give my opinion, what do you think? Oh, about Oh, I have a lot to that? say, but I'm going to save it for the bonus episode. Okay, because um, I think you and I agree that we need to do that. Uh, I think social media has taken the world, uh, the the wrestling world, by storm in the last you know 24 months. We'll we'll call it we'll call it that. And Jesus. I'll even give you a little bit of a teaser of what I'm about to do on the bonus episode when we get around to it. Is I had an actual meeting with my company's head of social media last week, and do you know who he looks to as a reference? When he's planning social media efforts, WWE. Doesn't surprise me. They're, they're so monsters. They have taken it to a whole new level. Their YouTube is an absolute standard. Mm. Uh, it's the bar that everyone strives to. Uh, their YouTube, Facebook, social media engagement across the board is, is, is the standard. And it's what everybody measures themselves against. So my, so, question, so my question is, do you think that this is just Seth double like like looking at that and saying what can i do to get engagement do no do i think seth is sitting on his phone writing a lot of these tweets no do i think becky does all of her own no there's, so you there's think a that, machine you think this behind this you think this I, isn't seth i'm i think seth might go yeah that sounds fine whatever I, there's a machine there is an absolute battalion of people doing social media stuff behind the scenes at wwe guys Keep well, that in mind. I will say this. If this is their social media machine, then they're doing... Th- that's a really dangerous line to be walking. I think it's dangerous for Seth Rollins, if this is actually him, to be talking like that. Because here's the thing. Not that he... I have nothing wrong with boasting. Boast away. Say you're the best pro wrestling on the planet. But when you get like a petty response to Will Ospreay, when you call your fans idiots, when you, you know openly getting aggressive against other people and, and passive-aggressive... I think is it was a really dangerous thing, and the thing I want to talk about in that bonus episode is the fact that it seems to be a pervasive thing across pro wrestling, where there's an antagonistic relationship between the fans and the wrestlers. Yeah, that's a where, big one. You know, where the fans are angry if they don't get what they want, and they act like babies, and the wrestlers or Batista act, or right or, the, or and the wrestlers conversely say you don't know what you're talking about. You you know you unless you're on the inside, you have no right to criticize anything. You know, and and there's this, it becomes this very antagonistic situation 
Um, and obviously on this show, Nick, you and I have never worked in professional wrestling. We openly no. admit that. We've watched an absolute crap ton of it, though. And we've For been decades. to a bunch of shows. <laughs> Correct. And the, the comparison that I always make is that most movie critics have never made a movie. They've, a lot of them haven't even worked in movies, but they watch a lot of movies. And I'll tell you what, I'm not a chef, but I can tell you when someone screws up my steak. I can tell you like, when, when my dish is incorrect, and I can give you a fairly good idea of how to have made it better. Because I eat a lot of food, and I'm pretty educated about my food. Could I go in there and say, oh, well, you have to make sure you turn the steak at this particular time? Probably not. Nor, could, nor would I even dream to tell Seth Rollins how to you know, perform a move correctly. You know, I have a good idea of how the physics of how it works, but ultimately, I would bow to his expertise in that particular sense. But it doesn't mean that you or I are complete idiots about the whole thing, or we have no idea what's going on, or how stories should be told, or how people should be performing in the ring to get engagement from the crowd that they're trying to get. So for me, Seth, saying this is just an absolute example of this kind of very negative relationship that's, that's been there ever since the beginnings of wrestling, uh, where it was, you know, the idea is that we're trying to fool the crowd, these marks, and that kind of carny background, yeah. and that latent little bit of that, that's still there, is you guys really don't know what's going on. And there's no other entertainment field that does that. There's no, like, if you didn't like the finale of The Sopranos, you don't suddenly, you know, you don't have the writers of the Sopranos and the actors in the Sopranos talking down to you and saying, well, you didn't, you just didn't understand my brilliance. I was doing something really good there. It's the best show on the planet, but you're just too dumb to realize it. You don't mm-hmm. hear that. You have them going, oh, well, um, you know, maybe it didn't, it didn't connect, but this is what we were going for. You know, maybe you can see that if you look back at it, it's a different thing. But anyway, that's something we're going to get into in another bonus episode because there's so much to unpack there. there's so many examples of that i want to go into the history of that there's so much to talk about there but i wanted to bring that up because seth did say that about this particular pay-per-view so i wanted to make a sort of a little 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 bullet point note this is what he said it about this yep. paper the the lowest draw the second lowest draw of all time by the way for a pay-per-view for wwe mm. and which is if seth wants to say it's the best pro wrestling on the planet that's fine that's going to become a meme, by the way. Uh, yeah. You're going to see you're going to see that tweet sit on top of just things that people absolutely hate, uh, as like screen caps or something, like Shane doing something, or it'll it'll say best pro wrestling on the planet, and then show a picture underneath. It's going to yeah. happen. If, that's, if it's, it's not already, it's going to become it's it's going to become the new. That's such good shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's set, congratulations. Again, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. If, if you're saying this is their social media engagement platform doing this and not Seth, I think it's a big. That's a big bungle on their part. If I'm it not is saying Seth, I know that. I'm just saying that there's no way that during after that this was a priority, that this is what he was doing after a pay-per-view. I don't know. I don't know. I, all you have to do is type a couple things into your phone that you can be anywhere. You can be sitting in a towel after the shower and do it. It takes sure. 30 seconds. So, sure. and, and again, he is now dating the Twitter queen of, of WWE. So... At any rate, Nick, that was our breakdown for stomping grounds. You get it? There's like battleground, but there's stomping because Seth Rollins in the main event. He's getting, I, even saw, I, even, I even saw a poster in the audience of curb stomping grounds. <laughs> thought that was clever. <laughs> hey, man, it's a better name than Great Balls of Fire. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Nick, I thought it was, an, it was a better show than we expected. So that was nice. It ended quickly. It wasn't, it wasn't a four-hour show. It was like three hours and 20 minutes. 
Yeah. That was nice, too. Okay. I, I'm right. down with that. I'm not mad at that. I, act- I actually landed at a certain point because we had mechanical issues on the plane, and I jumped in the chat real quick and was like, oh, wait, it's over already? It's already done. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of which, I want to say thank you to everyone who was in the chat with me yesterday. It was a ton of fun. Everyone was having a good time, uh, and it was a, a, a lot of good banter in there. Yes. So. But guys, if you want to get in on some of that action, such as Extreme Rules coming up in two weeks, or even SummerSlam, not to mention the fact that the G1 is coming. Oh, Oh, we've got about a week. Hashtag best pro wrestling on the planet. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, You definitely do not want to miss the G1 Climax. Starting on July 6th, I believe, the A Block Night 1 starts... Uh, but guys, to do that, you want to be over in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Lots of watch parties, live chats, all kinds of good discussions every single week in that. It is the hub of our operation and where we try to drive everybody to. That's the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Lots of good fans and listeners and content in there. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. YouTube for our live streams every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. And as I was saying before, if you want to get in on some of those bonus episodes Surrey and Dangerous and I have been talking about, that's Patreon.com slash BWO. Get access to show notes. Ability to ask listener questions every single week. Those bonus episodes, some sweet swag, all that good stuff. Patreon.com slash BWO. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But my God! Can somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.